Hello and welcome to the fourth instalment of the Let's Talk About the Built Environment podcast. I'm Jonathan Shaw, MD of AG Project and Building Consultancy, and today I'm very pleased to welcome Stephen Young. Stephen is Director of Growth, Environment, Transport and Community Services at Lancashire County Council. We will learn about his role, the Northern Powerhouse, the prospect of reorganisation of district and city councils, and perhaps more importantly, players who grace the field for both PNE and Burnley. Welcome, Stephen, to the Let's Talk About the North Environment podcast. We've met a couple of times at MIPIM, I think it was 2017 and then maybe a couple of years later. I think you were at Bond Council, about the plane on the way back, actually, it was, I think. Yeah. And then latterly, we, we were with Lancashire Marketing Lancashire. So I'm aware that your role has some development angles in it and property, et cetera. But well, it seems like you're from your title, Growth, Environment, Transport, Community, and a Bolton Director of Place that you've a very wide role. So I'm sure people will be really interested to understand more about your role. Yeah, sure. So it is quite a wide role. It kind of goes back to that notion of local authorities have a, a statutory responsibility to share places. Pretty much everything to do with places that isn't elderly people and isn't children. So it's the entire other side of the business. So Lancashire County Council have got about 3,000 staff. So they're doing all sorts of things from maintaining the road, developing new highways, transporting people around the counter, people that ring the county council and they come through the contact centre, which is one within my department, organisational change, as well as economic development. So economic development is probably the one I'm most famous for, for want of a better expression, but it's probably the smallest part in terms of people and resources. I'm over to switch on later, which springs to mind from that, is that if I think of, you know, you mentioned place, for instance, a city centre, town centre, city centre, say Preston, for example, are you anything to do with that, or is that a borough council issue or a city council in terms of Preston? How do they cross over? It's interesting, really. So when I worked in Greater Manchester in Bolton, obviously we had responsibility for everything within the borough of Bolton. So it was a single point of responsibility. In the Shire district, where I work now, it's a two tier, then there's kind of both of us have a responsibility. So the county council does play a role, but primarily and ultimately in the case of Preston, it would be the city council that would have that responsibility. Where it gets more complicated in Lancashire is the city and the borough council is relatively small in terms of resources, whereas the county council is huge. So we have to be involved or often has to be involved in developments that impact on, on particular places. But ultimately, that responsibility does sit with the borough council. So it's a little bit more complex and probably a little bit more complicated. It's not as clean cut as it is in Greta When I was talking to Roland Cassidy on a previous podcast, I was discussing with him when you're dealing with development and large-scale development, clearly it can be a very emotive issue for people. You know, redevelopment of an area, some people love it, some people don't. So again, you must feel great pressure, I imagine, balancing that, balancing, you know, a borough or an area. So is that right? Is it sort of difficult that way? Yeah, it's really difficult because a lot of the statutory powers sit with different organisations. So the planning authority is the district council, so they would ultimately give it planning approval or not. Where the transport authority, education and kind of those amenities that sit with development sit with us. Right. So education, you know, health sits with, with health. There's a kind of bit of a mismatch within a two-tier district that makes it much more difficult. I think collectively we've all, uh, within Lancashire, we've all got a, a similar sort of view that we want to try and improve the place, 
create jobs, create opportunities, improve the kind of built environment. Obviously, that you get those kind of political tensions that play out, much more complicated than two-tier, where it's not just one political party, one leader of the council, one elected mayor. We have multiple politicians of different parties, which makes it a little bit more difficult and complicated. So thinking of um, a large, say, housing scheme in the districts of Lancashire, and we're asking, thinking the local area would do the planning, but you'll be saying, well, hang on a minute, what about the transport, the schools, etc.? Your local area would do the planning permission. So we've had a very real example of this. So in Lancaster, we've recently signed a housing infrastructure deal with government to build forward 9,000 houses. So Lancaster City Council were the um, planning authority, and they took all those decisions around planning. You know, it's around their um, special framework, set the kind of criteria, the um, sort of planning protocols going forward have all been set by Lancaster in terms of how green that environment's going to be, etc. Lancashire County Council were the highways authority, so we had to be satisfied that the road infrastructure could cope with that many new houses coming forward. We're also the education authority, so we had to ensure that there was appropriate schools provision. So again, that fell to us. And then we worked very closely with health to ensure that you know, there's the appropriate medical provisions were kind of hard baked into the development. And that's a really good example because we worked really well on that. So we made 38 million available for green infrastructure, bus, uh, rapid transit, and cycle and walking superhighways. And we ensured that the education and health provision was already in place. So it sounds like you're not under any pressure at all, then. No, not at all. <laughs> I think this brings us on to looking out and, and, and your views on broader you know, national government and Northern Powerhouse. What is the Northern Powerhouse? What do you think of that? The Northern Powerhouse, I mean, obviously it has its roots quite some, some time ago, so people always think it's George Osborne, but in fact, before George Osborne, there was the Northern Way, I think it was called, which is a similar sort of right. provision. Right, I heard of that one. And that, in effect, was about bringing together all the different areas in a particular region speaking that much more powerful voice. I mean, if you ever go into Europe, particularly places like Germany, they come together a much more, a much more collaborative basis to kind of, you know, when you talk to developers, they've never heard of Preston, they've never heard of Lancashire, but they will have heard of the north of England, they will have heard of that Liverpool. And it's about collectively coming together and making decisions, not just based on a geography that we set, a much wider footprint and saying, okay, if the north is to try and level up and to be much more successful, you know, why does it take a lifetime to get from Preston to Liverpool on public transport? Why does it take a lifetime to get from Preston to Newcastle? You know, we need to be having those collective conversations about how we can improve our infrastructure, improve our competitiveness. It's quite easy to get up and down the country, north to south, but it's quite hard going across the country, isn't it? So, you know, you look at Leeds, Manchester, it's like that isn't there at the moment. I mean, on that one, it's a story I've told a few times, so Lancashire's no different. So um, north, south, these are... M6, West Coast Mainline, fantastic. Get to London, get to Glasgow, get to Edinburgh. When the HS2 rolls into Preston, I'll be able to get on the train in Preston. And I'll be able to get to London Euston in an hour and 17 minutes. The same day, you could get on the train in Colm, which is our <coughs> eastern extremities of Lancashire. Yeah. It's 39 miles to Preston. You get on that Colm Sprinter and make your way to Preston. You'll arrive in Preston three minutes after I've arrived in London. Uh, you've travelled 39 miles, I've travelled all the way to London. Yeah. Now, that can't be acceptable. No, Particularly when you think of Lancashire's population, 70% of our population live within five miles of that railway. So the vast majority of our population try to make that east-west journey because that's where the kind of industrial revolution was born. And that's where most of the, the people kind of moved to at that time and stayed there you know, ever since. So how can you have 70% of your population taking longer to get to Preston 
along that journey mm. and it would take me to get to London. And that's one of the big issues that we... Stark, isn't it? We need to resolve that. You'll never drive the economy forward until you can you know, address those connectivity challenges. We touched on this just before we started recording. You know, I've been doing some reading about the government keen to encourage reorganisation of district councils, county councils to attract bespoke funding, which sounds very exciting and I guess ties in very much with the powerhouse approach. What's your views on that? And, you know, is that something we'll actually see happen? So personally, I'm massively supportive. I've worked in Greater Manchester for 20 years, so I've seen what happens when you get a combined authority, when you get um, devolved powers. You know, whatever your views of the elected mayor, I'm, I'm not being political at all, whether a good or a bad thing, but you can't argue with it's the amount of money and resources and freedoms and flexibilities that have been given to Greater Manchester. So I think that's a massively important thing. I think within a, a two-tier area, I think that's even starker because I think, you know, there's more that needs to happen. When you look at how Manchester's, you know, progressed off over the last 20 odd years, to some extent it's left places like Lancashire a little bit in its work. So we, we want to try and get on that path as well and see ourselves drive forward. Where it becomes challenging is, unlike Greater Manchester, when the combined authorities came here, it didn't require local government reorganisation. That means, you know, organisations ceasing to exist and that creates a lot of angst sure. for local residents, it creates a lot of angst for politicians. So, you know, originally the government was saying that you had to reorganise your place and that was obviously a bit of a non-starter for us. Now with the latest iteration, which is called County Deals, the government's no longer saying that. They're basically saying, you come to us and tell us how it will work. And I think that opens the doors now for places like Lancashire to say, okay, we can design our own devolution deal. And obviously, you know, local politicians, local residents will have a strong view on that. And I think that's really important that we do. Once that's done, then the benefits of becoming, you know, an area that's got those devolved powers and being able to make those decisions much more locally is essential if we're going to see Lancashire really begin to take massive strides forward. People less attracted to that might be thinking small is beautiful and the local council has a, a great handle on that locality. So I suppose there are some of the challenges to overcome. Absolutely, but now with the government with the county deals saying, you know, we're not asking you to reorganise your district councils. The district councils can remain exactly as they are. Right. You decide where those powers should sit. You decide how it would work. You come to us and tell us how that would work in your place. You know your place better than we do. And then once they've delivered that, then obviously in return, the government would give us developed powers, additional money resources, whatever it is that we want, that would see us drive our economy forward. And I mean, I think that's a much better solution than they had previously, because now this is not being a situation where somebody in government saying, you know, sat in London saying this is how Lancashire should work. This is about Lancashire saying this is how Lancashire should work. And the government signing up to that. So I think that's a really fundamental shift in, in thinking. If you were to say in likelihood of popularity, where does that sit? Is there the chances of that happening? 60%, 70%? I think when we were talking about the old model, it's only a few months ago where it was reorganisation, I think the chances were low. Now I think the chances are much higher and there has been positive traction. There's lots of challenges for us to get over still, but there's been positive traction locally. Never say never until you've signed a deal, but I think the conversations are much more positive. You know, but obviously we have politicians who are much closer to local public than we are. They obviously have a view further down the line, but so far the conversations have been positive. Um, we touched on MIPIN earlier, and I'm guessing your role possibly out in MIPIN to promote Lancashire would play into if there was more development. So can you tell me a bit about what were you hoping to achieve attending those sort of events? Yeah, so you know, there's a big thing about profile raising. So we attend all sorts of different things you know, as appropriate to raise the profile of the counter. 
So it's about you know talking about our wares, the big things that we're doing. We've got a three billion pipeline, so we've got a lot to talk about. But there's also something about seeking investment in and to Lancashire, and we have been successful at Lipin. We've attracted several millions um, as a result of our presence and being there. You know, and we want to continue doing that going forward. And so we can continue to talk about the things we're doing, but also seek those investment opportunities. Okay, looking at your background, just LinkedIn, etc. I see you studied politics and employed by various councils. Is that important in working local government, essential in working local government, in the built environment as well? Yeah, sure, aspect? sure. So I did politics and economics. And I always remember one of my lecturers saying, you know, the thing that ties the two subjects together is that people who do politics and economics make it up. Is that one first? <laughs> so it's not essential to do a politics degree particularly. I also did a master's degree in business admin. I think it kind of gives you that opportunity to different way of thinking about your environment, you know, the working environment, different way of thinking around, around politics and the way that it all kind of hangs together. I think for people looking from the outside in, often it can be quite confusing as to why decisions are made in the way that they are. A lot of my colleagues who I work with have got all sorts of different degrees, you know, maths, physics, all sorts of different things. But I think it's just that ability to look for those senior roles in the public service, just kind of train your mind when you're going through that university process in terms of different ways of thinking. So I don't think there's any particular, this is the route you must go down to kind of move into this, to public service or indeed into the built environment. It's the best people that, you know, seem to arrive in those positions. Looking at Lancashire, what do you feel is an exciting development or something that, you know, is, you're looking at working on at the moment? So there's a few, as I've mentioned, we've got a pipeline of around three billion. So there's a lot going on. We've got things like we've got four enterprise zones, which is quite unique. Most places only get one, we've got four. Got the Advanced Manufacturing Research Centre, which is opening in one of our enterprise zones. We announced last week the National Cyber Centre is going to be moving into Lancashire. So that's a big thing for us. As I've mentioned, we've got the HIF at Lancaster, which is the largest outside of London. That's 9,100 new homes and all the infrastructure required around that. That's a big one. We've got Eden of the North, which is a part of Eden Group, famous the work down in Cornwall. Yeah. Building a new Eden of the North centre in Morecambe. And Morecambe's been selected because of its world-renowned tidal falls, apparently. So that's going to be massive for us, massive improvements within that kind of Morecambe area. Other couple of big ones that we've got, we've got Lancashire Central, which is a big development at the bottom of the M65, which will open up a, a new huge logistics hub for Central Lancashire, close proximity to the 61, the M6 and the 65, so massively important to us. And then we've got HS2 aspirations, looking at developing all around Preston train station, which is hugely underused ground at the moment. And we've got some quite advanced plans in terms of bringing that side forward. There's quite a lot of different things happening in different parts of the counter that ultimately adds up to three billion. So there's a lot of investment, employment opportunities, etc. coming to mind. Obviously, we're seeing changes in the built environment, office, retail, housing. What do you see as some of those challenges and changes in the built environment? I think there's loads. I mean, you know, just talking about the Lancaster HIF again, I mean, you know, a key part of that was, was not just about getting housing units in place. It was about having sustainable transport routes. That was massively important. Green spaces, people are much more conscious, I think, of the area where they live, particularly after the pandemic. Conscious of the area around them, not just this is a place where I sleep. It's, it's a place where people, you know, as you well know, work, people school the kids, all sorts of things happen. I think that's massively important. In terms of uh, retail, that's changing all the time. You know, online retail is growing massively. So what do you do to town and city centres? Do you have more people living there? It's about that leisure offer. So all of those kind of things have changed hugely. The importance of having technology within new developments, you know, really strong broadband technology where people are required to touch surfaces multiple times, again, has been 
a really big requirement. And then in terms of office, it's about, you know, people are conscious all of a sudden of being in relatively small environments. It's about having spaces that you can use for different purposes where people can come together, they can collaborate with use of technology, but can do it in a way that they're socially distant. So all of those, I think, are considerations we weren't necessarily considering massively before pandemic, but certainly front and centre now. How did you originally find yourself in the role that you're in? Was that, you know, where did your interests lie? Originally, I used to work in the chief executive department. I used to work directly for a number of chief executives. Whilst I was developing my career in the early part of the career, I saw this as an area that I found massively interested in. I wanted to see, you know, development. I wanted to see place making. So they were areas that I particularly wanted to focus towards. So I took the opportunity when it came along to move into a regeneration department as an assistant director back in the day. And then saw this as my progression and through the organisation towards what we wanted to run a department that's responsible for all the most place-making challenges, so physical regeneration, you know, highways, transport, green spaces, etc. And then did it at Bolton for a few years running that department and wanted to go to Lancashire, which is obviously a much bigger footprint and a much bigger organisation, to kind of do that across a much bigger tempo. So I've done it here now for, for three and a half years and I think that we've made some real improvements during that time. I presume you look for... You know, what's happening elsewhere, what's working. So I was just thinking as you were talking that you look at, say, Blackpool, what they're achieving, and then the places that maybe aren't just achieving at the moment. Do you have that wider national view where you are either asking to or inviting to see how, you know, what could look like elsewhere? All the time. I mean, all the time we're looking. You know, you mentioned Blackpool, but they're doing some great things at the moment. You know, seeing what Blackburn have done, which are both unitary. Yeah. Like, so, you know what they did around Cathedral Quarter, really good stuff. Obviously, linked in with Greater Manchester quite a lot and Merseyside, so see the things that they're doing. You know, often, as I mentioned before, to speak at conferences, so you always pick things up there in terms of what other people are doing, innovative ways that they're bringing deals together. You know, who's who's moving that particular agenda forward in their area? And, you know, steel, shameless, I know. Yeah, absolutely. Success leaves clues. What sort of advice would you have for somebody wanting to, you know, get into a similar role to yourself? You know, somebody's thinking about university or or that type of thing. I mean, what I would suggest you want to move in a similar sort of environment is to pick an authority that's ambitious. I mean, there's lots of authorities out there. Some are ambitious, some aren't. I think if you have ambitions in this area and you want to really make a change to your local community, to your local place, you know, it's better to pick a partner who shares those ambitions. Sadly, there are a number of places that, that are ambitious and lack that sort of vision. I mean, obviously, we're sat here in Manchester today. This is a shining example of a place where they had vision, they had political leadership that shared the vision, officers who wanted to see development and improvement. This is what could be achieved. As I said, there are lots of places that haven't been successful. I think if you don't pick the right organisation to work for, you will just become frustrated. Just going back to, you know, Lancashire and, you know, Marketing Lancashire, when we went over to MIP in support of that and promoting Lancashire, my feelings was Lancashire needs to be thinking bigger. And, you know, as you say, looking at Manchester and remembering watching fantastic promotional videos Lancashire put together, whether it's the aerospace industry, you plan, just a, and obviously you've talked about you know, billions of pounds worth of investment and funding that's available. It really is exciting, isn't it? And, you know, it's something to really get behind. I mean, Lancashire, to some extent, hides its light under a bushel, and I never quite understood why. So, you know, you've mentioned there the aerospace hub. So, they've got the largest aerospace hub in the UK and the third largest in the world. Four universities, high performing colleges, you know, our education sector is strong. 
got a million people of working age. So, you know, what is it, the heck of a lot going on in like the second largest economy in the world. But for some reason, they didn't seem to quite get the messages aligned and go out there and tell people about the things that they were doing and really begin to land those opportunities. And I would say this wouldn't have, but over the last three and a half years, I think we've been able to, to bring that together now, be able to land some of those opportunities much, much more. We've also got Tyson Fury, and I saw a tweet, you know, <laughs> and I was up there. Did you watch it or listen to it at all? I didn't, I must admit, merely because I've got two um, small <coughs> children, so the opportunity to be up in the middle of the night watching boxing well, is a bit of another story. I'm proud, obviously we're very proud of him as a Lancastrian, but two... Obviously, beat a six foot seven fellow boxer and then grab the microphone and sing. Okay, moving on to our some quick fire questions to sort of move towards wrapping up. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? A good one. Oh, right. Okay. So that's, is that how be your big brother? Yeah, massive runner. I used to do a lot more than I do now, just obviously kind of do 10k in 35 minutes. Wow. That's um, like elite level, isn't it? <laughs> some of the guys are running quicker than me, but. A lot of my habits, you know, pressures of work, family, so I'm not quite as good as I used to. I could still probably do a sub 40 minute 10k, but um, so I'd spend more time running and really focus back on. Pretty impressive. What was the last book you read? Um, one summer, I think it was. And if you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you do instead? I would like to work in the private sector, probably in a similar field, actually. Obviously, the other side of the same fence. Right, okay. Regeneration. From a developer's perspective, contract perspective, when I look at careers, and particularly sticking with the built environment, the aspect of placemaking, regeneration, I mentioned we had a you know, time planner on Alden Cassidy recently. That I think is amazingly exciting. And people, whether it's QSs, project managers, or contractors, they all have their bits in it. But I think the big view of it is tremendously exciting. And right across Lancashire, you can think of various ones, whether it's schemes in Burnley, et cetera, you know, particularly using the existing environment and working around that, you know, whether that's, you know, Preston bus station or whatever it is. I think the regen, the bigger picture is super exciting, isn't it? Yeah, massively exciting. You know, what I've always liked is the similar sort of things, that ability to see all of it and not just see a little bit of it. And although each little bit is massively important, that ability to sit on the whole thing and think about placing its entirety. So, you know, from transportation from its green spaces from its kind of built environment all of it and that's what I'm particularly enjoying this role I guess as well you know there's more considerations than we had years ago now with green sustainability I mean it's just such a jigsaw puzzle isn't it to put together it is I mean the green environment the green agenda is huge now and, it, and I'll be honest with you it wasn't massive not that long ago but it's huge now um, you know all developments have to consider that you know we have to retrofit things that have been done previously to ensure that they become green. I mean, from the county council's perspective, we've got a, an ambition to go net carbon zero by 2030, which is somewhere in front of the national um, timeline. So hugely important, hugely important. But you're right, it's not only the green environment, it's all sorts of different things. You know, the kind of the shared environment that people have, public realm is massively important, it's transportation, it's a kind of modal shift to get people out of cars. It's now it's things like Wi-Fi becoming increasingly important, Wi-Fi speed, which again, I don't think, certainly in our more rural communities, mm-hmm. are things we were talking about, not that long ago. So there's lots of different things and it changes over time. I think if we sat down here again, maybe in 10 years' time, I suspect we'll be talking about a whole range of different things, not just the ones that we're talking about. Now. Just so we can crystallise people's views of you after you've spoken very well, 
I believe you're a Burnley fan. I'm sorry to take it down. <laughs> well, you've been puffing in these slags. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been part of the season. So is that lifetime? I was born actually in Wigan, and I moved from Wigan when I was two. We lived overseas in, in a country that primarily played cricket. And then I moved to Burnley when I was about nine. And I've never seen a football game in my life. And my dad took me when I was nine. And I've been hooked ever since. Before I was married in children, I used to go home and away. Less so now, maybe go seven, eight games a season, cut home, cut away. But yeah, I always look out for them. It does, it's true, it does ruin the weekend. I'm a North End fan and was, you get sick to hear for years. And family takes that away a little bit. But I always used to go to Burnley. But was also always you know, terrified. I mean, what a hostile, tremendous atmosphere that, that we used to get. And I think about 20 years ago now, I think we went up as champions in 2000. We got second. The second. I mean, just amazing times, weren't they? Well, I was actually there on the last day when we won at Scunthorpe. We were third going into the last game and we won away at Scunthorpe. And I think Adam Gillingham slipped up and we went up as second. And then Preston were always on the cusp of the Premier League. Yeah. Kind of in and around the playoffs and we were just a bit below. And obviously over a period of time, that's kind of flipped. Yeah, and yeah. We've got there. Preston kind of still trying to get there. And I say this to lots of Preston fans. I know and Bolton fans and Blackburn and Blackpool, you know, it's the broader the tape club, aren't you know, it's just we had a bit of luck when we had a bit of luck. And yeah. It's like, I think when you look at Blackpool when they went up, the planets aligning of, I think, was it Charlie Adams and, uh, was it Holloway, the manager? Yeah. Things happen, don't they? And you suddenly get some momentum. And obviously Preston just haven't had that yet. But going back to the 2000s and that sort of era, there's probably quite a lot of players as well that, you know, David Ayres was between the two clubs. Can I thank you for Preston? Yes, of course he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So We had Graham um, Alexander. Yeah. So what a for you. Two hundred grand, I think we paid and they played an every game in the yeah. first premiership season. What a penalty taker. Amazing, amazing. And I think, you know, for us, it was the same as Blackpool, the stars alive. We had Owen Coyle. We just went on this run and we just kept winning. We had we got to the semi-finals of the League Cup, fifth round, the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. And then we just kept winning and winning. Went into the playoffs as the informed side. Just beat Reading home and away and then beat Sheffield United. It was a great day out at Wembley to see us go up. And that was just about momentum. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, Sean Dice joined us after we'd come back down again. And the fact he's still there, because... Personally, I didn't expect that. You know, you think it's going to be a flash of, you know, glory and then a big club takes him. So, and, and it seems Burnley have, it feels like they're an established Premier League club now, doesn't it? It does, and it's interesting because it's the first summer which I've been through where I was quite pleased with the transfer business. So they bought Kone in from Neon, paid 50 million for him, you know, they bought uh, Connor as he called in, you know, so they bought some, they bought some decent players and I thought, good bit of business this time, but it's not clicked for them so far. And I've seen them play twice, so far this season, and they played really well. I saw one on television, they played really well, and they opened the game this season. So they're not quite getting the results yet, but they seem to be playing well. But it'd be typical of this is the season when we start to really establish ourselves that they actually go down, but we'll see. That's all no. Okay, well, I think that's been really interesting and useful. Before I lose my voice with all this coughing and spluttering, I think we'll, we'll wrap up. But thanks so much for coming along and chatting, and I'm sure people will be uh, you know, a bit clear on this and, and really interested in Ambitious Future. Oh,